Baltaloda. Miloda here to talk about the last episode of the podcast season. Uh, we're talking The Expanse. As usual, their title is Nemesis Games, the title of the book. Season 5, book 5. Katie, our long journey is over now. And there's a lot to talk about, frankly. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that happens episode. I'm still like processing how I feel about it. Okay. And, you know, like, I'll, you know I'll, let you, I'll just take it away. Oh, yeah. So here, here we are. That's it. Goodbye. No, I'm just um, I, uh, I, I am with you. I have a lot of feelings and I'm, there were some good parts and there were some bad parts. Um, wow. I'm being super specific and not at all. Very vague. Uh, I'll speak to the broad, the broad things. Let you, let you figure out the parts that sucked for you and parts that didn't. <laughs> and on the whole, this episode felt like a good finale. I was pleased with it. I enjoyed what happened. This has felt like a very uneven season overall. And I think I figured out why. So I remember, I think last week or maybe two weeks ago, you talked you talked about how Nemesis Games wasn't your favorite book. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, actually, for me, Nemesis Games was maybe not one of my favorites, but it was one that I enjoyed a lot because I felt like it was like a ball rolling downhill and slowly picking up steam. You had the first three books kind of like setting up this grandiose universe and the ring gate system, everything else. Season four is kind of like allows you to catch your breath after all that insanity of, you know, everything happened at the end of like book three and opening the gates and and learning about that. Book five felt a lot like, okay, like we're going to, this ball is going to roll. It's going to roll faster and harder. I think part of the reason that it's kind of missing this season is, or why this season didn't felt like a miss in some aspects is we spent so much time with the sort of the family drama while we downplayed the asteroid impact hitting earth because the asteroid impacting hitting earth really gave a sense of momentum to the book. And that's and just like what's going on in the solar system. And like, you know, we have to stop Marco before he causes more damage. We have to stop Marco before he collapses the entire like, ecosystem of the solar system and like wipes out humanity or like reduces us to like next to nothing. And without that pressure, I think the season has felt a little bit lazy. Like I was talking with friends, they're talking about how they're really excited to see um, us returning to the ring gates and the protomolecule storyline at the end of this episode. Like, okay, finally, we're going to get somewhere. Well, it's because there wasn't that pressure, I think, from those earlier episodes and from what's happening on Earth to provide that sort of weight that will keep that keeps you as the viewer moving through what's going on. Yeah, I think like that's part of it i've also kind of like figured out like what kind of like rubbed me the wrong way about some certain characters because i feel like the biggest letdown for me this season has been from like two of my favorite characters in the whole show so you know if you're like an amos stan or a a a, you know a holden stan like maybe you you didn't feel slighted but if you're like me and like naomi and apes for all are like two of your favorite characters and you definitely probably felt a little cheated this season. And I think something happened in the writing this season. And maybe it was always there. And I just didn't pay attention. Um, but it's like they, someone made the call to do 
and they're like, okay, well, we need to show Christian as someone who isn't just cunning, but who also is principled. Um, and therefore by the transitive properties of, um, you know, TV show writing, I guess the way they decided to do that was to make her extremely fucking corny and give like corny speeches at every time. <laughs> yeah. That's all my notes for this episode. I was like, Oh, this. Yeah. This, like, but like, it's happened. Marco hates this unity. Oh, I know it. God, like I cringed like, like, uh, I was like, I, I was waiting for it to like, you know, like be a setup. This is what the terrorists don't want. But like, I thought it was like going to be like, I thought there might be some kind of, you know, uh, snarkiness behind it, but there wasn't. I was just like, what the fuck? So, and same with Naomi, as we discussed a lot is, you know, by that same transitive property of TV show writing to show a character as being vulnerable or having like a complicated past, uh, the way you do that is just make her cry a lot. So it's just like everything felt insultingly reductive on top of it being unnecessarily dichotomous and binary. Like it just, Mm. it didn't have the flavor palette I would come to expect from something that is such a complicated mess of human entanglement. And and even you see that, um, no, I want to raise, I want to go back to your point about, or emphasize the point that you made about the dichotomous or binary nature of like, because like, it's like good, bad guys. Like that's how it feels really a lot now. Yeah. And like I'm thinking of like the end of the episode where Savatier is like, we need to go to Laconia to have a pure world. And I was like, that wasn't like the Laconians were like fascist, yes, but like I don't think the I don't recall the purity being this like defining aspect of Laconian culture. They they were looking to create a better humanity guided without like all the the complications and problems of like democracy. Like that was definitely part of it. But I don't remember call this sort of like purity emphasis of like it, it just was very strange and very much like oh these guys you, you tell me that they're bad guys right I get it oh yeah no so you're supposed to associate with like they're literal Nazis because you the viewer are not smart enough to put that together that they are a villain like yeah that's the like the, yeah it's like, very telegraphed very very telegraphed it's it again like it, there's there's no subtlety. Um, you know, which is unfortunate because when you do get to Laconia, so you do get to, you know, Duarte, um, again, it's much like if, if you are good at writing, like they were with, with Marco, like you can understand kind of where they're coming from, right? Like they're yeah. still humanized. They are still, you know, and you know, if Marco, you don't agree with them, but you understand how they got to their points that they come to. Right. And you could see them for like the charisma that they hold. Right, you just happen to have the the benefit of the you know the top down view where you can see like all of the bad stuff on top of the charisma, um, but you still should be able to believe like how people would have this following, um, how they would you know sort of follow this like cult of personality or like you know strong beliefs, um, you know especially because if you're going to introduce like complicated characters, it's just more interesting to not paint them in such a binary way. Um, yeah. Joe wants to shit all over your intelligence. So we don't get to have that benefit, I guess. Um, So I think that's like part of the reason why I feel very let down by this season. And like, we got like all of like what, three minutes of Naomi being Naomi. And I was like, finally, yes. Just like the, the cold, like steel resolve of like, yep, I just gotta do it. It sucks. And then just back at it, you know? Um, But that didn't last very long, sadly, or not as long as I would have liked. Uh, I do think it was cool that they finally um, were trying to show more of the 
built our culture and built our language by emphasizing the uh, hand signals, which we haven't really seen since like, the first episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> of like the very first season. Uh, so that was a little bit interesting. There were some good, like it was the visuals, I guess, like the, the space battle was definitely cool. Yep, very well done. Very well done. But the visuals have never been my issue. Like, the visuals have have been consistently good this season, perhaps better than any other season, which is why it's really unfortunate that the writing lacked so, or writing Mm. direction lacked so horribly because I'm trying to imagine, like, okay, here's this book that, like, wasn't my favorite, but if the writing had been on point on top of painting the world, how, like, you know, they were doing the design, I probably could have gotten more into it, but all I could focus on instead of like these really fucking cool like shots that were all done in like one take um, or the shots even with Naomi being rescued with Bobby. I'm I'm instead hung up on like some of the things that just don't rub me right with the dialogue or the acting or, you know, whatever reason. Yeah. And like, I just, I I do think that, Oh, go ahead. It's like a a sore tooth that you can't stop. Like, you know, yeah, you can't stop tugging it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that. So I, I will say the for me the direction has been great. This was Brett Geisner who did the last episode and did some of the early episodes. I loved sometimes like the the little like when Naomi is floating and spinning in space, we get to be with her in that moment. It's shots that you've seen in things like Gravity, um, or other films like that. Like it's not like something super new, but I did appreciate that sort of a it felt like a newer thing that we see in the expanse. Like we usually don't see those kind of angles and ideas and um, that was fun. The CGI and special effects work pretty good. Um, I will say that when they spaced drummer's crew, uh, he did have significant um, what I call Harry Potter syndrome. Oh yeah, if you call like, the first Harry Potter. <laughs> if you call the the first Harry Potter, <laughs> the first Harry Potter movie has like some of the most ridiculous like ragdoll CGI, and it's like punch him into space, and he's like. Whoop. <laughs> I mean, it would actually be cool if that's how bodies behaved in space. It would make it much, much funnier to die. Um, yeah, I I have a lot of notes here. <laughs> oh, oh, and uh, Katie, I do want to send you condolences. Well, we'll get there when we get there. But I feel 95% certain Bull's back for season six. Oh, it wasn't even subtle. Like, he was holding. <laughs> Drinking off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I know. Actually- hey, guess what? Viewer, if you don't know this. He's coming back. I mean, like, if you don't know it, it's drinking out of his cup. We knew- Do you understand, viewer? Do you understand? We knew this was coming. I just didn't want to believe it. Um, I actually have a note here that I put like in the first like five minutes of the show uh, where it says, getting killed before getting to fight really sucks. And then if I have to hear another season of these fucking zingers, I'm going to jump off a cliff. But that was before the end where I was just like, well, I guess I got to go find that cliff now. Well, and Holden did put a stop to it. So I did appreciate Holden like calling out the racism of Bull. That that was nice. I like that. But, but I'm a Holden fanboy. Uh, uh, I'll own that. It was so like it wasn't done in a way that even felt like it would come up like, hey, bro, take it easy. Because like he's been doing it this whole season. It's only like the last episode. Like, OK, maybe now we've reached the threshold. Like, well, for like the whole time, Monica's just been like, yo, what the fuck? Just like silently. See and Holden's been tolerating it, yeah. As opposed yeah, to like, just like from the start, being like, "I'm the captain. Don't fucking bring that shit on my ship." Right. Especially considering that, like, I don't know, his partner of many years is a belter, and also like, it's not until Monica's like nice language, like before, like she finally says something, and then like it's like a, like real life, you know. Or I could be like, "Hey, <laughs> Holden I- and Bull are broing out." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "Hey, uh, do you think you could maybe?" chill out on the rape jokes and then then you know then there's condemnation like oh no no i 
you're right. That's not good. You know, it's, it's one of those almost like weird, like, Oh no, I'm I'm actually okay. Uh, I've decided that I am now also tired of hearing slang against, you know, people who are like significant people in my, my life. That's fine. Um, anyway, it just sucks. It sucks. Cause like, Oh, here, look, Holden's going to make him better. And so you're invested in a storyline. No, the only thing I'm invested with Bull is how he dies because I've been denied the satisfaction of knowing how he died in previous and in, in the books. Right. So I don't even get to have that. I don't get to have like the smug satisfaction of knowing like, well, at least he's going to die soon because that's been ripped away from me. That hope is gone. Speaking of, of dying, I think that's a good segue. And you also talked about writing to talk about what's obviously one of the biggest things this episode. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff. It was pretty clear that this edit of Alex Kamal dying was a post-production effort. Um, like there was, he was, a, someone had dug up screen stills that he was apparently sitting at that final shot with them on Luna. Mm-hmm. So um, this was sort of like their response to how to create an exit for the character. I'm still parsing out how I feel about that, frankly. And also how I feel about the character of Naomi eulogizing him. That felt a little bit strange to me um, that she was doing so much of that. It made me a little uncomfortable. I'm still kind of like processing again how I feel about that. It was weird as a fan of the show because, you know, since I've known that something was going to happen, I anticipated that Alex Kamal, the character, would die off. And Alex Kamal was one of my favorite characters before all these allegations came to light. And this is one of the first times I think I'm dealing with a significant like a character that i really liked portrayed by someone who is like there's very good reasons for cast anvar to leave the show and i feel like i I sort of like shut down the feelings of affection i had for alex this season and it's just it's very strange i'm still like processing through like what that's like and like how like the only time i felt any sort of sadness about alex the character leaving the show was when jim touches his name on the nameplate of the rossi Mm -hmm. when i was like oh part of the family's gone but in terms of like everything else was like i don't I don't feel bad about this at all. Yeah. Um, not, not, not that you should. Like, I don't think like you necessarily have to feel bad about it. It's just, how does this work, you know? Um, well, I will say that the post-production makes sense because at one point I actually, like, laughed because I couldn't get this out of my head. But um, that scene where they caught to him in the, in the ship, I don't know why, but I was getting, like, big, I think you should leave vibes from, like, the mud pie receipt thing where the character at the end turns is like okay glenn where are we going and she's a dead body and she just screams like that was like that's all i could picture in my head when bobby's like alex alex and his nose is just bleeding like i'm just sitting there fucking laughing be like "Mm, too many mud pies (laughs) like that was that was the vibe that i kept i kept getting but really my heart breaks for the departure of who is clearly the strongest character this season by which, of course, I mean Belter Vanilla Ice. Oh, from the ship of the, from Drummer Ship. We, I don't know his name. I don't actually care about him at all. I just, I really. You're sad that he's leaving. No, I'm not. With I, Oksana. I just don't, I was hoping for an explanation about why he fucking looks like Vanilla Ice. We didn't get to have that closure, but that's fine. I didn't get a lot of closure this season and a lot of things. But yeah, I just, I couldn't stop laughing about like the, <laughs> like the really like sort of, yeah, like, like hurried over, like, uh, let's just, like, get this done with. And sure, it's a major character. And yeah, we've killed him for good reasons. But we're just gonna brush right over that as if to be like, the stakes weren't really real. I don't know. I just felt like there's a, a bigger deal made about other deaths. <laughs> anyway, I just, it's like, it's basically the scene 
right? Where it's like, oh, Poochie had to go back to his home plane. <laughs> yeah, no. So it, that was definitely, like you said, like, why is Naomi being the one who tries to, everyone else is just nodding like, yep, okie dokie, back to whatever. Um, I will say that prior to his death, I was also getting a good chuckle at the show uh, having Bobby explain a complicated piloting maneuver to Alex, who is established as like perhaps one of the most competent, skilled pilots in the whole fucking galaxy. No, Alex, we can't do this because of blah, 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 blah. It's like, is that like the opposite of fans planning here? I'm looking at Bobby doing it. I did love uh, that one brief scene where she has with Monica, where she is like towering over Monica. I don't know the height of the actresses, but that did a lot to communicate the badasses of uh, Frankie Adams and Bobby Draper. So I I enjoyed that little like, damn, how big is she? I guess the thing though is like I was imagining. Okay, so I'm straight, but even I would still be like, I hope Frankie Adams will choke slam me one day. Like she's just giant. I don't know why, but I feel like I need to get bodily harmed, <laughs> like slammed into the ground by this giant, powerful military lady. I don't know. I, so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I totally understand why people are so obnoxiously horny for the nine foot vampire lady. Yes. Yes. Now it packs. Yeah. Like I didn't get it at first, but now part of me is wondering like if the character of like either the actress or Monica herself was just like looking up being like, damn. Cause you know, Belters are supposed to be really tall too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was, that was definitely good. I don't know what came of that scene. I don't know why Monica's there, why Monica's there, honestly. She, she's, she's there to, um, do exposition work, which is fine, because she was the one saying that the Zemeas protomolecule sample was still shipped off to, um, Savatier and Cortazar. Yeah. So, which I'll be excited to see Cortazar. I, I presume he'll be back in season six. He was a good actor for that role, and so I anticipate he'll be doing things that'll happen there. I'm surprised we didn't even get to um, a spoiler or whatever. You, you know, you listen to the show. If, if you listen, you know that we're spoiling all the time. I'm surprised we didn't get to the actual pl- emplacements of the guns on the ring node. Uh, no, My- I'm, I'm, it ended exactly how I thought it would, which is to say... Like, you you, you called the Savatier thing, like, spot on. Yeah, because uh, I feel like that was going to be the, good, the big cliffhanger. That I was still disappointed about how it played out. And... The, you know, tell me more about that. Well, I think I've seen to manage expectations. I get that when we've had. Here's the deal: if you didn't already know, also more spoilers. Um, so this thing that like there's so there's the the creators of the proto molecule who are considered to be the big bad, or I guess now they're just kind of like the big neutral. I don't know, but they're definitely like some kind of almost like omnipotent race of like hive mind of like you know thousands of worlds. And then, like, they fucking got snuffed out by something totally unknown. Now, if you're yeah. going to try to portray to me that, like, there's a bigger bad than the big bad, something that feels like a freeze frame. I know how this looks, guys. Like, it's not <laughs> conveying the cosmic horror that I feel like I should be feeling about this, like, now extra player in yeah. this game. So We didn't see Savatier or his lieutenant get like how they actually felt like being right. their molecules disassociated. Yeah. So I, I get that. Like they couldn't do that exactly because of the Arbogast uh, episode that they had, which was to be like, this is what happens when like, you know, like being disassembled. Right. Um, 
So you couldn't really do that again because you've kind of already seen it. But you needed to kind of up the stakes. So just having like a bunch of like red and black grainy artsy shot of like being erased, like that's not doing it for me. Like that could just be a very complicated star wipe. And then like that's just question mark, question mark. It's it's not compelling um, to me in the way that the series and like, you know, material is supposed to, which is to say like a whole new like ratcheting up of the overwhelming like cosmic existential horror of like what it's of now like there is this thing that uh unlike the proto molecule that will like re like you know build things out of parts that are there uh will just come this thing however will completely and totally unmake you while you're still ex- exhibiting consciousness which for me yeah. is absolutely fucking terrifying like i cannot imagine uh a fate more horrible than seeing yourself being disassembled while having complete and total awareness the entire time. So it just didn't quite convey that, but I can at least acknowledge that perhaps there weren't a lot of ways to do that because again, like I'm not an artist, I'm not a writer, so <laughs> I can just critique it and not have to worry about presenting any other option. It reminded me the special effects work reminded me of like if someone was to remaster Babylon five mm-hmm. today, like how they might um, depict some of the, the shadow vessels um and their cloak technology yeah i'm a gigantic nerd folks my theory um that i've had is that the the destroyers of the ring gate architects um that they exist in sort of like another like pocket dimension or alternate dimension mm-hmm. and like the the ring builders like harvested energy from their universe and so they're simply responding to that process and um that's why they're trying to stop humans from reactivating the ring gates and doing all that sort of stuff because it's damaging to their universe by us using the ring gate system. Right. I mean, the fact that like typical laws of physics don't apply and there's like all these portals, like, you know, you, they have to go through somewhere to get through somewhere. Right. So the technology, yeah. um, it's not hard to imagine like the aggression for it. It's just like, there's still, I mean, even in the books, it, there's still a lot that's unknown. you just know about how yeah. scary it can be? And so, and the book got delayed until October. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I saw the, mo- the most recent date I saw was like October 26th, maybe. Why did it get delayed? I think like oh, two weeks ago, it was still on track for the summer, right? Yeah. I, would, I just was looking at the most recent stuff. I know that Ty Frank has been heavily involved in the production side of the show now. Um, like he co-wrote this episode with um, Naren Shankar and Daniel Abraham. And I think, I think both the writers have done a lot more work. Uh, Daniel Abraham does a lot less in terms of like, being on the set and doing that sort of work but ty frank has been really heavily involved um he's been doing the ty and that guy after show on youtube which is going to become a full-time podcast for people that are interested i, I think both the show writers like are doing a lot more which i respect them for you know like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that i would absolutely take advantage of to like do more work in like if you like if i'm ty frank and like i just make an rpg and like a universe setting and then someone like options that book and then turns into a TV show, and then I get to like do like production work on the TV show. I'm like, okay, I've made it. Like, this is the dream realized. Yeah. Um, also, I can imagine they they don't want to go the the way of Game of Thrones. Be like, ah, oh, no, we're gonna get him more heavily involved. None none of that shit, please. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm trying not to be like so critical because I don't want to be the person who just like shits on everything. I did love the music this uh, episode. There were some really nice musical cues with Naomi. I think um, when she's like, I think. I'm assuming it's the moment that you're really excited about when she kind of like steals herself and leaps out. There's just some like really sweet musical stuff there. That fucking speech, two speeches 
in this episode were so bad. Mm-hmm. The Naomi speech I was I was really underwhelmed with, but it wasn't as bad as the Avasarala speech. And I feel like in earlier seasons, even when Avasarala has been like talking to people, she has not resorted to like the absolute bargain basement cliches that she did in this episode. Mm-hmm. It felt like George W. Bush in like an Avasarala skin. Yeah. It mission accomplished. Like it it again, like it would be okay if I thought that she would go the way that her character normally goes, which is to be like, say something like that, but then like, you know, follow it up with a slam dunk on something else to be like, haha, isn't that so cheesy? Uh, or something more substantial. But nope, platitudes, empty platitudes. Well, and that's the thing too, is like in the books, Avasarala's cynicism is something that Holden learns from. Mm-hmm. And like he grows from being less of a hardened idealist to understanding her point of view and the way that she did things and respects her for it. Yeah. And I think that w- when you have Avasarala doing the idealist feel good pablum shit, it really detracts from Holden's. <laughs> yeah. It really detracts from Holden's journey as a character. Like part of Holden's thing is learning. And you sort of see at the end of this episode, I think like Holden's approach to life has changed a little bit. I did love the Clarissa introduction from Amos to Holden. That was beautiful. Uh, West Chatham just like fucking slam dunked that. I loved it. Mm -hmm. But I think we're losing out on some of the texture between the characters because, you know, the Holden that we see in books like seven, eight and nine, he's a different Holden. You know, he's he's a little bit jaded. He's no longer the self-sacrifice. He's not self-sacrificing like he is self-sacrificing, but he doesn't sacrifice out of his like quixotic need to joust at windmills. Right. And that is the growth of his character. I love that for him. And he doesn't. He's not quite getting there yet, I guess. And I think like Avastral was part of that journey for him, and I, I'd love to be that there for season six. Yeah. So I, that's another thing is like the pacing, right? Like, oh boy, it, I don't know how they're gonna do it. I'm not sure. Like, it seems like they're just still gonna do like a one for one book, uh, sort of thing. So I don't know. We'll see how. I, I'm thinking miniseries. Yeah. I'm thinking miniseries. There's so much chaff you could cut from seven through nine but are they gonna that's the question because there's a lot of chaff you could have cut from this season and yet here we are 30 minutes maybe crying i don't know we'll see if they're still gonna like you know do a one-to-one ratio essentially in which case like it would just end at book six and i guess that makes sense because it'd be before like all the time jump and everything um but would feel really unsatisfying but um, who knows who's to say i mean i do think that um spoilers like really spoilers these are spoilers do not listen if you don't want to be spoiled um i do think that uh clarissa is going to die in season six i think that i think that's going to happen and i do think that if there's a miniseries bobby will die in the miniseries so if there was one yeah or another like or another season or whatever else they figure out to do but um, my my impression or ho- anticipation is that they're trying to negotiate a miniseries to have like a two to three episode arc um, probably cut a lot of the LV storyline mm-hmm. and a significant amount of the sort of the setup from book seven just to get us to the place of because like books I mean if I was uh, if I was to make the miniseries I would open on Teresa Duarte and I'd open on Holden's already captured Naomi is already in the the pod that she's in like sort of introducing her as like this coordinator of the network the the resistance network Bobby as a um, resistance fighter on the Rossi like I would like, it's it'd be very easy for you to do to 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 have the time jump as start of the miniseries and then just set everyone up and be able to jump through a lot of the 
the slower parts of seasons or book seven, I should say. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I'm. They could do it. I just don't know how, because I feel like this season would have been best if it was a combination of five and six, right? Since it took to take place almost like right after each other, same characters, more or less interesting, mm. you know, some new stuff. So the fact that they didn't and they just really drew this out makes me concerned that they're going to be like me and my executive dysfunction where I put everything off until the last minute and then I rush it. It's just a half shit. <laughs> so it's like, oh, we're going to cram as much, as much content into this last season as we can. So buckle up. And so it, it, it's just going to make the pacing seem really weird between the seasons. Yeah. Um, but I mean, of course I'm still going to watch it, but I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to do something. They're going to have so much more to do because the, the Laconian storyline is such a big part of the book series. And they didn't have to really introduce it if they didn't want to. Like, they could have, you know, maintained the Martian storyline a lot tighter. They could have done a lot more with, uh, I mean, I'm glad they didn't do this, but a lot more with uh, Marco and Naros and the Free Navy and Medina Station. They could have done a lot more with that, and they didn't. Mm -hmm. But, like, they explicitly said Laconia at the end of the the episode. So I'm assuming that we are going to get a lot more Laconia uh, up to the, at least the invasion of Medina Station at the end of uh season six because like we still have to do like all the stuff with like marco taking over medina station um the fighting back against him drummer is going to have to join up with the earth uh, mars alliance there's just so 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 much that still has to happen i mean you know this 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 did hold pretty closely to book five um and there's still so much to happen in book six and then book seven is like the whole like invasion of medina station and all that kind of stuff anyway so my my anticipation is that we're going to see seven will creep into book six or sorry seven will creep into season six so that we can sort of like demonstrate like the end of season six is going to be the fall of earth like the solar system like laconia wins and that's it mm-hmm. like avastrala surrendering and that's kind of like the end of the show as it were and then you get to the miniseries that's kind of like reveals what happens next yeah well we'll see how it goes but either way not looking forward to Bull being in there. God, it just, he's so... What a one-dimensional character. He's just a piece of shit, and I just don't want to see more of it. It's not even compelling. Like, ah, a cantankerous old, like, shitheel racist. Oh, good. You know I don't see that enough in life all the time. I'm hopeful. I'm looking forward to Clarissa on the um, the Rocinante. I'm happy just to have, like, a full crew again. Yeah. And I'm excited... It's so strange, like, how the show is moving right now. I, I just don't know how to feel about it. It's really, it's just different and unusual, and I'm processing that. Like, yeah, yeah. A lot of things just felt very uh, bizarre this whole season, and especially with, like, the last episode. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it, and I think I'm just kind of, like, lukewarm on this season in general. Uh, lukewarm is maybe a bit too gracious between all, like, the corny speeches and shit. Um, also, where did the other... Like Prime Minister go? Or like where did did David pass? He got fucked up. They basically they basically cooed him. Like they gave him the soft ultimatum of uh, if you remember the last episode, they're like, Madam, would you serve again? And she's like, You're gonna coo him? And they're like, No, but we kind of are because we're gonna force him to step down. Yeah, but like there was I thought there might be like some transition or like set up for animosity. It's just like, no, he just fucked off forever, I guess. We tried that, we tried him. We want to go back to the the Avasarala. Oh boy! Oh god! I hope there's just no more like. It's just it was just a really uneven season, and I think I don't I don't know why. 
in the moments and storylines that worked for me, like Amos and Clarissa. But there wasn't a lot of Naomi. There was just like at the end. It was like, oh, Clarissa's here now. Yeah, I know. But like when the season was on, it was really on and it was like the best of the show. When the season was, when it wasn't firing, it was bad and it made me feel bad to recommend this to people because it feels cliche and it feels like I'm not recommending the show to them for the really genre defined or the genre breaking conventions that I want from it. And I don't know if that's just because my standards are super high now because I've seen when the show is like on point and just amazing. Like, I mean, like, how, how did you, how did we have someone like Anna Valada? Um, you know, from like season three, she's giving like this like speech, but it didn't feel cliche. It didn't feel hammy. It felt like a reasonable plea from that character saying those things. And I don't know how you experienced it, but like, how do we end up here where, you know, Avasarala is giving these like just exceptionally ham fisted mealy mouth platitudes? Yeah. Well, there was that. And the, a lot of the writing felt that way. Um, it's like, they were like, well, you know, we got a cap on on uh, how vague we can make. Or not vague. Um, Imprecise. No. Uh, 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 it's like, oh, we have a we have a cap on complexity, so we can only show it for Amos and Clarissa. Everyone else has to be relegated to uh, easy to pick out uh, tropes and roles. And just in case people overlook that, let's just go really hard with the telegraphing, like exactly where they are. Like just go full on. Like binary, like, uh, yep, these are Nazis. This is, I guess, George Bush. Um, next thing you know, it's gonna be mission accomplished. It's gonna be unfurled in the background. It's just, it was so bizarre that, like, yeah, we can have, we've we've seen, we can have writers and characters that don't have to fall into these like expectations of like cheesiness or you know, like, I don't know, as far as like morality goes. Sorry, words elude me now because I'm just so frustrated because now I'm like thinking about other seasons where we've seen that the writing can be good and that like you don't have to always have people fall into these like tropes. So I'm wondering like who got a, like who flexed their way to the top of the writing room and was just like, no, we're going to do it this way now. Well, like I'm thinking of like, you know, season three when the Martian Marine fires a grenade and tries to stop Holden. You can understand why he's doing what he's doing. He's not necessarily a bad guy, per se. He's doing the thing that you as the viewers like, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. But he's doing something that makes sense for him. Mm-hmm. And even the the character of like Jules Pierre Mao is like trying to do something. Like he thinks he's doing the right thing. He's not sh- he, like he has his, he covers up and makes excuses for his, you know, inhumanity to people. But he still believes he's doing the right thing. Um, Cortazar does that, even though he has no morals. It, the, the moral texture of the show feels lacking. Like like Eric, for example. Eric is cool because he helped out our heroes. Like that that's like the sort of like moral universe that we inhabit now. And it's just it's it's underwhelming. And I want Marco to like like if Marco is just an evil shit heel which he is in the show, then there's, like, no real, like, reason why Philip won't eventually turn on him. You know, like, as a viewer, like, well, of course he's going to turn on him. He's a fucking asshole. Why wouldn't you turn on him? Right. And it makes it less interesting when those things happen because it's not it's not Philip trying to, like, discern between his own future and, you know, the future of the belt and his wish with his mother. 
It's simply your dad's a fucking shit heel, so of course you're gonna turn against him again eventually. It makes the choices easy for the characters. But does he even turn against him? Does he just walk away? At one point, he's just like, "I'm out, actually." Bye. In, in the books, he walks away. Yeah, but I'm assuming in the show that they'll be a little bit more dramatic with it. Frankly, Ugh, yeah, you're right. Ugh. But again, if, even if that happens, you can do it in a way that makes it more interesting than what I think we're gonna get, which is just like. His father's an abusive, manipulative shit heel, and like he's an abusive, manipulative shit heel to everyone. Like, there's no point where like he's not a fucking asshole. And I think that weakens the character and the show because we have no sympathy for Marco. Like, there's no reason why we like why we could understand why he did what he did. We don't get the opportunity even to see the Belters why they're doing what they're doing. Like, I can't like even Oksana's when Oksana leaves Drummer, it doesn't feel earned. It doesn't feel like 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 Oksana watched Oksana blames Drummer apparently for the loss of that crewman. I'm drawing a blank on his name. I'm sorry, dude. I think it was like <laughs> Sergey, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. So like Sergey, she she's blames Drummer for that when like she could just as easily blame Marco and be like, this guy's a fucking you know homicidal asshole who will do anything he can to achieve power, and this whole thing came about because he wanted to do that, not because Drummer did anything. Like, she's blaming the victim, quite literally, in that scenario. And it could just as easily have gone the other way, but it feels like they're like, well, what's the most interesting way that we can split up this crew? Well, the guy that was on the ship with her can stay with Drummer. The guy that was on the ship with Drummer can go with her. And that's it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just not very compelling. It's, again, like, a lot of this felt kind of insulting. Um and I'm trying to, like I said, hedge my expectations because I don't want to be like the insufferable, like super fan who's just like splitting hairs uh, over the differences between the books and the show. But even when the show in the past has taken liberties, um, you know, or like split from like the source material, it's still been good. Uh, but that just kind of ran out this season. And I was just like, and this, if this is how it's going to be, I wish they had just stuck to the book completely because this is just not this isn't working for me at all um all the characters are so one-dimensional with the exception of like amos and clarissa those are the only people who get to have like subtlety and nuance well and even she gets kind of flattened towards the end of it because like amos has that realization that he needs to get back to his crew because he's losing moral compass with her. Mm-hmm. And then she becomes his moral compass. Uh, it's kind of like the, like the conflict itself is sort of like yeah. neatly taken care of. And you're like, oh, that's not that interesting. Like, Yeah, the flip-flopping of her like morality of, of it being like, well, maybe because of how we feel things and because of trauma, we don't perceive you know morality the way other people do. And good and evil is... Uh, more of a negotiated thing in the moment. And then, like, yeah, the next episode, she's like, this is bad and wrong. We should save them. Like, that's the good thing to do. Like, what? Um, so, yeah, like, the flattening, like, the flip-flopping, that we're just going to make this character do whatever suits our needs so that we don't have to try too hard or make things too complicated, in which case it's just, then I'm even more upset that you didn't just cram in, see, like, you know, book six in there. Because then you could have just done away with a lot of that stuff, like skimmed over it, and then just gotten to more like more content uh, or more story progression. But nope. Well, like you don't even need to have her necessarily be a moral character. Like you could just as easily have like all those uh, staff from Winnipesaukee and the staff from the um, the house that they invade, and Amos be like literally like what would Holden do? 
mm-hmm. and like try to answer that question on his own and be like, well, he take the people with us because he cares about them. That'd be a, a cool moment to see Amos trying to grow. Because I, I feel like the, in the relationship that he has with Clarissa is it feels like he sees in her that she was traveling down the same road that he was or has been like through a different kind of like path, but the same like kind of end point. And he sees an opportunity to help her not get to the end point that he's in, which is why he values and cherishes her. Right. I, I don't, their friendship is definitely not one that's based on like, Oh, much like Holden, this is the person who I need to sort of like, keep me, keep me flying straight. Like I always interpreted their friendship as like, this is who I go to, to take solace to go be me in front. Cause we understand each other. We understand how that dark place. Right. And the whole like not needing to present yourself to, you know, the type of person who wouldn't understand you. So I see that like as like a meant as a combination of like solace and like mentorship. And it's once again, just like, this is, this is the good person. This is who I need because I can't be bothered to ever grow or learn how to navigate that on my own. Um, it's so, I don't know, maybe if it just like ends exactly where book six ends, that might be better because I'm no longer, like I no longer have faith in the show to portray the newer characters the way I would like hope to see them. Yeah. Um, including, you know, Duarte, like, who's supposed to be such a powerhouse. Like if they can't even get Marco right, then pff, all my, exp- like all hopes there are gone. Uh, Cortazar, of course, I know they're going to portray him as like, inherently evil which i guess is okay because he did have his like empathy part of his brain like surgically damaged um so i guess like that could actually make sense like there isn't reforming of that hard drive (laughs) yeah um just took a magnet there um but like Teresa and and all that stuff like i just don't the the station commander like yeah um one of the things i loved about the storyline with him actually is how like that's what makes Duarte to me so interesting as a character, because he he has empathy, he understands how people perceive things, and that makes him more dangerous than just like some kind of like totalitarian genocidal asshole. Because he understands people so well, that's what makes him a threat. Yeah. And if we stick in this realm of like Marco and Naros, like Marcello's twisting, like ha, 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 I have thrown the rocks at Earth, um, <laughs> it's it's gonna suck. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And uh, uh, it's really going to take the edge off, like, all of the the sort of, like, um, the building blocks that they've set up for the amazing visuals, right? Because this is where you get to, like, really flex, like, your visual creativity with Laconia is, like, with their ships and their technology that they find, which is, like, and all these new worlds that, like, you could even just show them passively going through to obtain, like, these resources and... You know, it'll be, it might be like this season. And I'm just like worried about that, that we're like all of the accomplishments, like visually uh, are just sort of like glazed over, even shit on because we can't seem to figure out how to write good characters anymore. Like, I guess, I don't know. Would everyone just need a nap? Like, did we just decide that like <laughs> we need a little bit of a break and it's okay to, you know, like I get it. 2020 sucks shit. Maybe we're, we're all at our best. I get it. But it, it really kind of shakes me and I'm like you, like I am now reticent to like recommend it because I'm like, oh no, no one's not, now someone's not going to like trust my recommendations. Um, because like I said, I, my boyfriend has seen a couple episodes of the first season. I'm trying to get him like into it with me. Yeah. Finally going to use like my, my birthday as a way to flex and be like, we're watching this. <laughs> um, 
But then, like, he, he's, like, was watched, like, that one episode with, like, Naomi crying the entire time. He, like, was watching that one with me. He, he didn't mind if there was, like, some minor spoilers. And I'm just, like, having to apologize. I'm like, it's not normally like this. It's usually pretty good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I'm making excuses for the show that I used to, you know, that I guess I still am, like, ultimate, like, fangirling about. So Well, I'm just reflecting, like, on, on season one, you know? Like, I'm thinking of, like, when they're leaving the Donager. You get the sense that these, it's the difference between villains and antagonists. Like the people on the Donager were antagonists to the Rossi crew. You could sense that. You knew that. You understood that. But like when you see the Donager commander turn to like the door, the bulkhead about to be blown open, and she's like, I didn't think that we could lose. There is so much told in just that one line about Martian culture, about their ego, about like their sort of like value system. And you, when you see like, the the martian marine sacrificing himself to get them off the donager to because he's like these are the people that can like stop a war from happening it, it just it tells so much about these antagonists and we can understand that they the relationship with them can change the laconians aren't necessarily wrong you know like there's a sense of like having like one guiding principle for humanity to help us go out amongst the stars isn't a bad thing it's the way that they do that. It's the way that they enforce that on people. Yeah. It's the way that they like power it by like you know having people get eaten by the proto molecule basically. Yeah. The uh, the uh, we're gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater approach. Um, start over. Let's be harsher this time. Uh, that's always worked historically, right? But yeah, that's but that's that's why it's important. Like that's why Duarte's character is so important because like you know this is like so oppressive who would go along with it like who would want to follow this what is it about this person who would uh you need to believe that people would want to yes. that they're not just like like why would you give up your mom's bracelet just to be like you we must be pure you need to understand that we need to be pure that's not a good enough reason yeah like when there's like that one scene and i think the uh in that in the book i think it was the end of book six maybe or seven <laughs> Um, where Duarte is talking to the widow uh, of the uh, yeah yeah the the station book seven yeah yeah um, and like the like you expect him to be like just so overtly like terrible and ju- and like uh, you know the ends justify the means kind of person but instead like takes his time to like sit with her to explain what happened and offer her like sincere empathy and condolences. And it not sound hollow. I remember like that staying with me. It's because like if I were on the other that was end, so much more dangerous. Yeah, I'd be like if I was on the end, like if I was on the receiving end of this woman, like I would probably find myself also like you know nodding and being like, yeah, I make a good point, you know, like I, yeah, you know. So that's because he did do some fucked up things. Like he fucked up hardcore, <laughs> and like should he have been in charge? No. Probably not. Yeah. And his ego got in the way. Well, that was the whole point, right? They sent someone they yeah. knew would fuck up, but, you know, they didn't, didn't tell her that. But, you know, just like the the level of like, uh, contempl- like of, you know, computing these risks um, and like these placements specifically to do this and then using that to like bolster his following um, and in a way that, yeah, does like tell people like humanity is still important. We're still doing this for humanity. Uh, and like, yeah, you've heard that excuse before tons of times about like, you know, continuing X or Y race. But, um, you know, th- the fact that he is so compelling and yeah, like weaponized empathy 
is how I would say, uh, but done super well in a way that like he, he, as a reader, of course, you know that he is a villain. Like this is, this is a straight up villain. This is an antagonist. Um, and yet, and yet, could you recognize it so easily if he, if the same character was put in a different scenario because it's yeah. written like, you know, if, if he wasn't like in charge of Laconia, if he was instead in charge of, you know, something on earth or Mars, like you might not see him as a villain. So it's, it's interesting. And you understand why, how he rose to power, like yeah. someone that with that capability, of course, he's going to be the leader that people, you know, are going to put themselves behind. And so that's why I am cautious about future episodes. If nothing changes, like, I guess on the writing, I'm not sure like where the breakdown happened uh, this season, but if it continues like this and we just get more like, yeah, we leave off platitudes and, you know, binary characters, then we're not going to see, like, it's just going to fall into like every other eye roll predictable trope. And I really don't want to see that from a show that like, I feel like is great at, not falling into those those tropes and stereotypes and predictability. So, and they've fallen into those things this season. I think it's fair to say. Oh, like constantly. It's not so much they fell into it. Like they just like tumbled down a like a hole, and they're like, "I'm not going to bother to get unstuck." I don't know. Maybe, maybe something will happen next season. I don't know. I I want to kind of. I'm curious to know what happened this season to make it bad. Because I'm sorry, the season was bad um, compared to other seasons. Maybe not yeah. objectively as a whole, as far as like TV shows go. Still watch the season over, I don't know, anything from Supernatural. But <laughs> compared to like what I know and have seen from this show before, it was a big letdown. And I'm I'm curious like where the breakdown was because I can tell you it wasn't Alex dying in a very I think you should leave kind of moment. I, I think they handled that as graceful as they could, frankly. I'm I'm sort of impressed that they were able to go back and make this as clean an exit as they did, frankly. Yeah. I mean, like, there definitely wasn't, like, any sort of, like, could he come back? It's like, no, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, But it's still not presenting us with a great option. It's like, well, he's dead. Here's this shitty old guy who sucks and is racist and said, aren't you excited for him? You're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> um, Like I said, even though I completely agree with, like, the move that they had to make, that... I appreciate that, like, yes, this was a great character, but you can't take those sorts of liberties with, like, an actor who, like, has just absolutely mishandled um, their position. And, you know, unfortunately, the character has to suffer, has to go because of it. Totally think that was the only way they could go. But you could have offered us, I don't know, any number of better options than this fucking guy. Ugh, God. Give me, like, a fucking robot that's, like... Something out of, I don't know, like, fantastic plan. I don't care. Like, give me something corny or even fucking, from, like, uh, Rosie from the Jetsons. Anything but this fucking guy. I just hate him so much. Anyway, that's, <laughs> I've rambled way too long about how much I that's hate Bull. <laughs> A lot. Um, anyway, well, I'm still going to watch season six. Um, hopefully, of course. Uh, I won't have as much to complain about. Hopefully we won't have Na- uh, Naomi crying. As much. Maybe we should we, we should talk sometime uh, off air about whether or not we want to discuss book nine after it comes out because I'm going to fucking like Harry Potter that shit like midnight reading and all that jazz and just kind of blow through it and figure out that. So maybe we'll talk about that later too. At this point, October is like 20 years away. 
Uh, oh yeah, no, no, no. In, in pandemic time, yeah. yeah. Like we're we we we're not even sure we'll be like vaccinated by October. I mean, there's a very good chance that like yeah. Although I've seen more about like distributing rollout, so I don't know, maybe we'll, we will be. But who knows what other fun new developments 2021 will have in store for us? It's already been a very exciting year, and not exciting in the good kind of way that you'd hope. So um, who's to say what other batshit crazy developments happen between? Uh, I don't know the next eight months. Yeah. So with that, that's our final review of season five of The Expense. Katie, I think we have one final send off. Yeah. So 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 you know Oya Dang is goodbye. Mm-hmm. And dear listeners, if you or Katie are out ordering food, you might say for the goods, which is please. And then, you know, thank you is Taki or the more formal Taki Taki. And if Katie is tired of me talking Belter to her, she might say Molenta for the good, which means slow down, please. And allow me to speak more clearly with my Belter Creole or Lang Belta. <laughs> uh, I actually was trying to find a good translation and I came up short, but I did actually do research prior to starting. And by research, I mean like 10 minutes before I started up. But um Oh, uh, I wanted to see how today, like, so yeah. we, so we've come to the end. Like, I, I had to learn more about grammar than I had time for. Like, this isn't <laughs> easily put together, so it's not lost to me. Um, but uh, I, I guess I'll go off with one of my favorite lines in the whole series. It is Sirish Nadesh Zakong Bera Zakomang. I fuck. Which means English. <laughs> on series there are no laws only cops uh taki koyo <laughs> we'll be back maybe to talk about that otherwise thank you katie for joining me for this uh breakdown it's been great to talk about this season with you even with all our struggles i think i really appreciate the opportunity to talk through this stuff because it's really helped me sort of clarify what are the things i've struggled with and i'm a person that likes to be creative and i appreciate the opportunity to explore when things don't work so i can kind of like put a finger on like what things would have made them better or make them function a little more smoothly and so thank you and i appreciate just being able to talk with you about this sort of stuff because it really helped me a lot oh well thank you for doing like literally everything so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i'm glad i could be like that you know that that wall you could bounce your thoughts off of i'm cool with that uh, yeah, no, so, thank you. <laughs> um and of course it's always feels good to know that there's someone out there who is just an insufferable like <laughs> nerd about this shit as i am you know i don't feel so alone in the universe it's a good peaches amos sort of uh oh well that's cool that's, uh, that's <laughs> one of the highest compliments i can anticipate so anyways thank you for listening everyone uh you can follow katie at anime weed fart 69 you can follow me at Ape Notorious. Uh, follow the cast at Second Star Cast. Email us, secondstarcast at gmail.com, and we will see you uh, for more reviews, criticism, and discussion. So thank you very much. Oye dang. Oye dang. Oye dang.